A demographic that often gets overlooked at university campuses are graduate students. When we think college student, the image that often comes to mind is a single 20-year-old who graduated high school and went straight on to college. But this isn't indicative of many people's college experience. What about students working on advanced degrees? What about students that have families of their own? One way that health promotion at K-State is trying to grow is by reaching these non-traditional students. Each of them have stories and needs that look very different than the traditional college student. Today, we invited Nicole Knapp, a doctoral psychology student and K-State counseling intern, to talk about her experience as a single mother throughout her bachelor's, master's, and now doctoral degrees. She shares with us what she found most helpful navigating the different stressors, how she learned how to advocate for herself, and how to thrive as a student parent. Welcome to Thrive at K-State. I'm Cole Griffin. And I'm Chris Bowman. Podcast, are you ready? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Any yeah. nerves? Um, A little bit, just because I don't like hearing my own voice, but it's fine. No, uh, your voice is great. Both of my clients this afternoon canceled, so I was actually able to look over the questions. Uh, wow. <laughs> so yep. you are the subject matter. Like we're we're like we're gonna get Nicole's A plus plus game. Yeah. You? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Let's strive for A. Well, thanks again. Thanks for coming and thanks for being a guest on our podcast. We're excited about it. Um, we'll kind of just open it up with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you landed, how you came here to K-State? Yeah. So I am uh, originally, well, I grew up in the Upper Pen Peninsula of Michigan. Um, that's where most of my family is. Mm -hmm. kind of grew up there. Uh, bachelor's in psychology um, with an emphasis in applied behavioral analysis uh, and then uh, master's in clinical mental health counseling, PhD I'm working on uh, is counseling psychology. Okay. Um, all of those are in Michigan. I am here at K-State as a PhD psychology intern at Counseling Services. All right. How is the, uh, how where would you rate Kansas? What do you think of Kansas? I miss the beaches. Uh, okay. I've always grown up or lived like within 15 minutes of one of the Great Lakes. Oh, okay. So... I miss the beaches. <laughs> I think it can be agreed upon that one of Kansas's weaknesses is that there are no coasts. Yeah. You're pretty much landlocked. And, yeah. I, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that I would consider any of our local lakes. They're great, but they're not the Great Lakes. Yeah. Nope. Sometimes the drainage system is really poor and you can <laughs> go canoeing in the streets, which is unique, but, but not recommended. It's not a beach. Yeah, There's actually like a, a cement drainage system. Thing. I don't know. It goes through a neighborhood mm -hmm. by where I live. I'm like, oh, maybe that could be something <laughs> yeah. if it rains really hard. That is officially, you know, yeah, that we're reaching for beaches when we're talking <laughs> about uh, maybe this uh, culvert will do for something. But, yeah. Uh, well, that's great. So, well, I know that we're glad you're at K-State um, uh, and helping our student population, um, especially with what we just talked about with the pandemic going on and with so much unknown stuff going on with class schedules, virtual, in-person, all that kind of stuff. So I know um, we're really happy. Cole and I as social workers are really happy that you're here providing services to students because um, it's needed. And from everything we know, counselors, you guys do such a great job. So we're really happy that you're here, not just as a guest, but at K-State in general. So anyway, um, so yeah, you said, what was your bachelor's again? 
Uh, psychology with an emphasis in applied behavioral analysis. Okay, that's a mouthful. What, what what does that mean a little bit? What's the uh, applied uh, behavioral analysis? Um, so it's like behavioral conditioning. So kind of okay. like Skinner. Okay. And operant conditioning and like um, how to train people to do things. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but we typically. We're, we're going for their goals, but we're setting up behavioral strategies in order to meet those goals. Okay. Do you, what motivates you to get into the mental health field? You know, is there anything that motivates you? Is there something that interests you for a long time? No, I had never even thought of psychology until um, my freshman year of undergrad. Um, and my professor in my Psych 101 class that I took as just the general credit uh, he took the time to get to know all of our names and it's a 250 or 250 student yeah. uh, lecture hmm. and he knew all of our names um, and it felt as though even though there were 250 of us, he was making it personal for us. I'm like, wow, we can really do something with psychology just by these little things. Yeah. Hmm. It's so interesting. And you say that and the one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, mental health and psychology never really crossed your mind until freshman year. And then how one person, their actions and what they did, their investment can change somebody's kind of whole track of thinking and it can pique their interest in something. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I get my mind thinking about, you never know. Cause that professor, that may not have been a huge thing that to him, you know, maybe that's just what he's always done. Yeah. No, he does it with every single yeah. lecture he teaches. So, and that action he took, helped guide you into something that you have a passion about. So like I said, I just think about, you know, you never know those little things that you do that may not be that big of a deal to you can really change someone's perspective or help them or help them guide in their passion area. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, so anyway, well, kind of the reason we, we brought you on the podcast and something we talked about, uh, our topic of conversation is, you know, navigating, I think what first we said grad school, but, um, I think we could just expand it to, you know, going to school as a parent mm -hmm. um, and maybe some of the challenges that have come along with that and maybe some tips and pointers and tool, all that kind of stuff that you can share with us. So I think, you know, that's why we wanted to bring you on here. And we're really happy that you wanted to come on and talk about this, because, again, Cole and I were talking about this. I think this is something that can be very helpful to a lot of people. And sometimes it can be an overlooked topic. You know, we kind of get into that whole mindset of um, the students that we want to connect with are, you know, maybe have that they're not parents, you know. Um, and so I think sometimes it's easy to kind of forget that there is a good sized population of people that are going to school. They have families and things of that nature. So I think, that, you know, that's why we wanted to come on. I'm glad you wanted to cover that topic. Um, so anyway, I, we'll kind of dive into our questions. And if you have anything to add or any questions for us, just let us know. Um but something we we were wondering about is, you know, can you give us a little bit? How does being a parent differ differ from just being a student alone? Yeah, so um, I think it's just the additional stressors or the additional things that we have to balance. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are some traditional students who have to work, but their work is to be able to provide for themselves. Whereas for a student parent your work is providing for other people who are dependent on you. Mm -hmm. um, and then just having to care for that other person, uh, having another life rely on you while also doing all of these other things. Yeah, it sounds like it touches more 
than people would expect. So it's like parenting is separate from school and work, but really work is impacted by the fact that you're a parent and so is school. And how much you can work is impacted on when you can get childcare or when your classes are. Mm -hmm. As well as providing for your child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I think that, that, like I just said, some people may not think about, but it's definitely something that we need to we need to talk about. And that's, again, great to have you on here. Um, so maybe another question we have is what is the most difficult part about being a student parent from your perspective? Um, I mean, for me, it was balancing everything mm-hmm. uh, and thinking that I had to do everything all the time and not ask for help because that would somehow make me look weak. And if I showed weakness, then I would be looked down on because all of these other things that are going on in my life would be looked as the reason why I can't do things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You said all of these things in your life would be like the reason why you can't do things. What what like specific things in your life would it get caught up on? Yeah. So for me, uh, I don't have a partner, so I'm a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my son who is only now getting to about 10, he's been, he's needed to have the additional care throughout my whole education. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for, for me, the additional things would be like, what do I need to do for him? And what is he needing? Um, In addition to like the work that I have to do to be able to buy like all of these diapers or all this, Mm -hmm. uh, all this food, um, and the clothes because kids grow out of clothes very quickly. They do. Uh, so all of all of those things um, could impact my ability to be fully present in a lecture or uh, do a project to the best of my ability or even just showing up to meetings that the program uh, schedules without consideration of like other things because they're like nope this fits into our schedule Mm -hmm. so it's going to have to fit into everyone else's Mm. almost as if the program was built for what we say in air quotes traditional students Mm -hmm. where it's like graduated high school at 18 went straight into college all of my time is devoted to school and providing for myself which Mm -hmm. doesn't work when you're not that same identity yeah and for me so i i was a traditional student in terms of my age so graduated high school at 18 through uh and i haven't stopped um but i think that that also caused some problems because they're like oh no you're a traditional student i'm like but i'm not (laughs) yeah so they identified you like in the same age group as everybody else Mm -hmm. did did a lot of your professors know that you were also parenting uh in undergrad no one knew i did not tell anyone Mm -hmm. um in graduate school my son was part of the classes so really yeah he would just come along with me for a lot of them Mm -hmm. um and so my professors obviously knew Mm -hmm. and i made it very apparent uh up front like there are some things that i'm not going to be able to do there are going to be some meetings that i cannot go to because i have this additional uh thing that i additional person that i have to take care of did you so when when your son was more like said was part of the 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 graduates student experience, I guess is what I would call mm-hmm. it. And, you know, when you let those, you set that boundary with those, with those professors saying like, this is, I'm going to do this. And this is part of it. You know, my his son is part of it. I mean, did you, I guess, I guess every interaction would be different. Every teacher or every professor probably, um, interacted with that differently, but 
did they did the majority of them seem supportive of that were they did they respect that um you know that aspect of you saying look this is this is who i am this is what i'm doing um was there any pushback with that uh with that kind of attitude i didn't say an attitude but with being that upfront with it mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was very fortunate in that my graduate program is a small program Mm -hmm. um, and all of the professors were either parents or had young nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. um, and it's a very family family oriented. um, And so I didn't receive any pushback, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure if I were to have gone to a larger university, it definitely would have impacted me. Yeah, something that stuck out to me as you were talking about that is you said that in your bachelor's program, no, none of your professors knew. Mm-hmm. And then in your graduate school, all of your professors for professors knew um, what changed between the two of them. Um, so my bachelor's, I actually transferred to the place where I was uh, where I graduated. Mm-hmm. And so I automatically started off with not having those connections mm-hmm. um, because I was coming in, uh, I think it was sophomore or junior year just straight into the major, get my stuff, get it done, uh, and do what I need to do in order to graduate and move forward. Uh, Whereas with my graduate degrees, I was coming in at the master's level, same level as everyone else. We were all new. Uh, And so we were all starting out with just getting to know each other and creating those connections. Yeah. Mm. So like maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the beginning of a degree program, there's often like orientation where you can share these kinds of things. And so if you miss that orientation, a lot of important aspects of your life, like being a parent can be missed out on. And then that chance really didn't happen at the bachelor's level, but at the master's level, you were able to kind of go in like being like, yeah, I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. And then that really framed how schooling worked with your professors, but also what other students expected of you. Yeah, um, actually, my bachelor's, I don't think I was able to attend orientation because I didn't have childcare. Mm. <laughs> so there wasn't even that opportunity. Yeah. Um, whereas at the master's, uh, he was invited to go to the university orientation and then also my program orientation. So I bet even have that, like I said, he was invited to come mm-hmm. to it. Um, did that, was that a pretty big stress relief for you? Is it what's kind of setting the tone like? okay this your son can be part of of this experience um what i guess what i'm trying to say is did was it going and knowing that that could happen probably took a lot of stress off your shoulders to know that hey this will be accepted or you know they're going to be okay with this yeah i mean it did but not like all the way like each time i had to ask like can he come into Mm -hmm. lecture today there was also there was always some of that like are they going to say no today they mm-hmm. never did, but yeah. <laughs> there's still that worry that um, they're not going to want to uh, have him potentially distract others mm-hmm. um, because he was three when I started my graduate program. Yeah. So still pretty young. Were there things that some professors did that um, I would say it made it easier for you to ask and to go to them with, you know, maybe something with, you know, with your son when say you need a child care or something of that nature. Was there something that they did, some messaging they put out that made it easier for you to approach them? Uh, I think just building those relationships with me outside of uh, him and what's going on, mm-hmm. but just getting to know me as a person and being genuinely interested in me as a person um, that made it a bit easier. 
I also had professors who would like bring toys for him when they knew he was oh, coming. Yeah. So that way he was distracted and entertained while we were learning. That's fun. That's truly building like a, a sense of community, mm -hmm. you know, building a connection um, with students, you know, because um, you sharing that experience may motivate another professor to be like, well, that's a way that I can be uh, build a community, be more open to certain situations. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Were there kind of barriers in your, in your undergrad then that kept you from sharing that with your professors or like, I don't know, part of me, and I could be reading into this, is that you mentioned earlier that you didn't want to like appear weak. Did that ever factor in at your undergraduate level with not telling people that you were a student parent? Um, I mean, it probably did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it goes back to that community and the connection. I just didn't have that at undergrad. Mm. Um, and so like advising meetings was, okay, here are your classes. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was never really that time for connection. And a lot of it may be because in undergrad, there's a lot more students. Yeah. So you don't have as much time to build those connections. Mm -hmm. For sure. So maybe you can share with us, you know, uh, we talked about a lot of the challenges that mm -hmm. come with being um, a parent and in your case, you know, a, a single parent um, during graduate and undergraduate. But what were some of the best parts about being a student parent? I have a constant support system. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I don't have to go anywhere. He's <laughs> always cheering me on. Um, so that's nice, uh, especially like while I was writing my dissertation or during finals weeks. Mm. Um he was always there like, no, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You got it. Your son? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's nice. And also like, especially now during the pandemic, like I have someone there, like I'm not going home by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and having that extra person there just for that connection and that human interaction. Yeah. That is nice. Like I said, that like, uh, like warms my heart. We say, you know, he's there to say, you know, you can do this. Mm -hmm. You can keep going. That constant reassure, not constant, but that reassurance coming from someone that you love, care for, and respect. Mm -hmm. uh, that does have to feel good. Yeah, and he's been on this journey with me the whole time. Yeah. Um. Since, well, I had him sophomore year of undergrad, so mm -hmm. practically the whole, the whole gamut of my education, yeah. uh, higher education. So mm -hmm. yeah. What were some of the things that helped you most when as being being a student parent? Um, so my in undergrad, what helped me most is I had a lot of my friends from high school uh, around. So they were able to help with childcare, um, And my mom was only an hour away. Mm. So if I needed a night out with my friends, she would just come up and stay the weekend with us. Um, so that really helped. In graduate school, like I was saying, my professors, they were amazing. Um, and they also let me know the resources on campus. So we had an on-campus childcare center um, that had flexible scheduling for students and reduced rate for students. Um, so that definitely helped. Uh, and I think just building a community around me. So my family of, my family of origin wasn't around during graduate school. Uh, so I created a family of choice, mm -hmm. um, and that definitely helped in, uh, being able to pursue whatever it is that I wanted to do throughout graduate school. How did you identify some of those re 
resources in the first place? Um, so for childcare, it was really my university, my program. They were like, uh, no, we've sent our kids here. They're really good. You can do it as well. Um, and then for building that support system, a lot of them were in my program. Mm. Uh, so we were together for three to six hours a night. And so we just built those relationships. Um, and it definitely helped once I got to internship or practicums and I needed people to watch my son after hours. Hmm. So was your program then like a, like a night school related thing? Yeah. So my, my graduate program was actually built for working adults, hmm. um, who worked full time during the day, um, because we didn't have graduate assistantships. So we had to work in order to pay for school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of the classes started at three 30 and they'd go until nine 20. So wow. there's two hours or two class periods. The flexibility sounds like that was, you know, uh, hugely beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, and having the people within your program, the professors, and even, you know, the people that you're going through the program with, um, them having flexibility, them being accepting, um, sounds like that was just hugely important through this whole thing, uh, or not thing, but through your whole, <laughs> yeah, I guess getting your master's is a thing, but, but, you know, through the whole experience, mm-hmm. um, and that all goes back to that building a connection with the university, with your, with your, uh, people you're going through the program with, it just shows the importance of building those connections. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, how I survived. <laughs> mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I, that was another thing that I picked out too, was like the flexibility of your environment seems to be like the resounding, like important factor mm-hmm. in being able to have success in that is that mm-hmm. you were able to attend school at a time, like take night classes while you could also work full time to support your family. And I don't know, that flexibility isn't always offered for like, yeah. so, for example, in undergraduate programs. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that that was something that you could have identified as a resource and something that was available to you. Was it difficult to find a program with that flexibility? Uh, I wasn't even looking for it. It just happened. Really? (laughs) How did that, how did that happen? Uh, I was just looking for a program that was accredited. Mm -hmm. So that way I could have an accredited degree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it just happened to be that the one that you got accepted to was like, do they do like day programs and after hours or no, it's all, uh, it all starts at three 30. Mm. Okay. Um, we have like program meetings during the day, um, or like office hours during the day, but all of the lectures are in the evenings. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that that worked out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So was your, you said that was for your master's was your PhD any different or is it a PhD D PsyD or whatever. Uh, PhD. PhD. Uh, they're both at the same school, same oh, okay. program. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're then getting your PhD in Michigan. Yes. But your, I want to call it a practicum because that's what I'm doing, but, but your <laughs> internship. Like, internship is mm-hmm. is in at Kansas State? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So did they make you travel or did you choose to come um, here? So for, for psychology, we have a match program for internship. Uh, so you apply to wherever it is that you want to apply, uh, and then you're offered interviews. And then after the interviews, you rank them, the sites rank, uh, the applicants, and then a computer system decides where you go. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
Interesting. That sounds very That's technical. That's stressful, to that, be yeah. honest, like it not is. knowing yeah. where. So so it's like you have to do like a job interview at all mm -hmm. of these places. Yep. Wow. I think I had like five, five interviews over a two week period. Wow. That wow. is stressful. So is this with the program that you're now, is this the last step? What else do you have what, before you are completed with your education, which should no one's ever really completed. <laughs> but, you know, is this is this internship the last piece of that? So this internship is the last piece of my Ph.D. program and I graduate in August. Um, but then I'm going on to get additional specialization training uh, for the next year. OK. And what will that specialty be? Uh, military sexual trauma and women's health. Whoa. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Another piece that stuck out to me was since you've had to move as well as a student parent, how was that? Uh, well, we moved during a pandemic. Yeah. So uh, it was different than when we moved from like the upper peninsula where we're from to the lower peninsula where my educate or where my grad school is. Um, it was a lot different. Like we don't really know the area. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not really able to go out. So it's in addition to not having any beaches, it's just hard to feel connected to the area. Yeah, Cole's asking because uh, I think because he's about he's just was accepted in the University of Washington's master Look at program. You. Yeah, <laughs> having never stepped foot in Seattle, and um, I'm not even going to be able to visit because of the pandemic. So mm -hmm. it's like the Same first with time. Moving here. Yeah, and yeah. Pranav too. Like yeah. it was like the first time that they're going to be where they're living is when they move there. Yep. Uh, same. So same with this and same with my postdoc residency. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. With a pandemic kicker. I mean, I just, yep. that's, uh, <laughs> man, lots of, lots of tests for your resiliency. It sounds oh, yes. like <laughs> exactly. That's why. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, for me, like I said, I, it'd be hard for me to do that and then to imagine that, um, uh, moving to a place that you've never been, mm -hmm. Um, but it takes that, you know, that foresight to see, okay, this is why I'm doing it. You know, yeah. it's not that you have to, but there is something that you're working mm -hmm. towards. And that's just you know, like that resiliency that having being very goal oriented and things of that nature. So it's a lot of respect, I think that for both of you yeah. <laughs> for doing right. that, that's something that I've never, I've, I've never <laughs> had to do. Um, but anyway, mm -hmm. so kind of moving on, you know, what advice would you give a parent who is thinking maybe about going back to school? Um, if they have any, you know, worries or stress or anxiety with that, do you have anything that any, any advice you give them? Um, definitely reach out and ask for help whenever it's needed. Um, I feel like a lot of times as parents in general, we feel like we have to be superhuman and then adding on that, like this need to excel in education, um, asking for help from whoever it is that you need when you need it. Mm -hmm. So through your education, what are some of the resources that, that maybe you've utilized it, at any university or at any place that you found to be very valuable? Um, the community around me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm also wondering, um, how do you balance your own needs and desires with that of your, your sons? Yeah. So that has been a challenge throughout his life. Um, but I've recently really, really started focusing on self-care mm. um, and carving out time throughout the day for myself uh, and also recognizing that I can't be fully present 
with him or with work if I'm not taking care of myself. So like part of taking care of him is taking care of you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that way I can deal with any kind of mood changes, any kind of school stuff that happens to pop up last minute, but really wasn't last minute. Yeah. So uh, what are, how did you prepare yeah, I know how that for goes. being a student? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Was there any preparation? I was like, I didn't. So I had my son uh, a month before finals. Oh. Uh, so I wasn't prepared to be a parent, let alone a student mm-hmm. parent. I was just preparing for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, so all of the thanks goes to my mom because she was, I was current or I was living with her at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she would go to work, come home, take care of him so I could study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it goes back to <laughs> the community, yeah. the people around me. Um, but yeah, I did not prepare to be a student parent. Mm-hmm. Building that network. I mm-hmm. mean, again, it, you know, it's always good to keep to build keep that network building going because you mm-hmm. never know what you're going to experience in life. You know, you never know. We talked about it with some of the students with with the pandemic. I'm, and I know that they're different, but um, students that kind of put the time in and they built that network and they had that social connection. The pandemic happened they were not starting kind of at zero, you know, Mm -hmm. they had, they had, they had a network and they had a connection to the university or to their friends or to whatever group they're in. Um, They had already put in a little bit of work to build that. So that just shows the importance too, of always be building your network, um, surrounding yourself with people that are supportive and that you can support as well. Yeah. Well, hindsight's 2020. Um, which sounds so weird to say like 2020, especially after the year <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2020, seems to make less and less sense. But hindsight's 2020. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself something at the beginning, what would you tell yourself? Mm. Uh, I think I would remind myself of the importance of taking care of myself. Mm. Um, and, and just encouraging myself to ask for help Yeah, because I am very bad. I'm still very bad at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like something that you've grown in though, too. It's, it's developed. It still needs work, but it's developed. developed. <laughs> yeah. What does self-care look like for you? Oh, so for me, self-care, I have two self-care times throughout the day. Um, the first one is in the morning before my son wakes up, I get up and I do my workout and then. Um, he'll usually get up around the same time that I'm, I'm getting done. So mm-hmm. then we'll do a guided meditation together, Aww. uh, kind of start out, start out, start out our day, uh, on the right foot. And then at the end of the day, once he has gone to bed and I'm done with all of my responsibilities for the day, I'll watch TV and just relax and talk to people, uh, talk to my loved, loved ones. Hmm. What was it that, um, or at what point did the self-care piece for you kind of come into focus and be like, okay, I've really got to take care of myself or do some self-care so then that I can take care of my loved ones. Uh, probably not until I started my dissertation process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like two years ago, yeah, um, that was just an additional stressor. I'm like, I cannot do this uh, at the same level if I'm not taking care of myself. What were some of the signs that let you know? Um, super moody or angry all the time, Mm -hmm. easily frustrated, um, tired all the time. Uh, for me, I like binge eating, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm stressed. So that was also a sign. 
Um, I recently found out that I have stress-induced vertigo. Mm. So that was a mm-hmm. major sign. Yeah. Vertigo, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, so yeah, those are all of the signs for me. What would be some, uh, maybe some, I don't know, advice you'd give somebody like that would say, I just don't have time for self-care. How how would you guide them to say, what would you tell them to and to let them know how important self-care is? I mean, none of us have time for self-care. We have to make that time just like we make time for everything else in our life. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we want to be 100% for those that we're taking care of or anything that we have throughout the day, we have to be taking care of ourselves. I look at, I think of it in in along the same lines as anything that I would consider myself good at or efficient at. I've put time and effort Mm -hmm. into that, whatever it is, whatever that skill is, whatever it is that I want to do. Um, Self-care is the same thing. You can't expect to put little thought or effort or time into self-care and expect great results. It's something, and it's something too, I think that people need to really have to work at. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know many people of the, and once self care becomes something that's high on their priority list, that they are excellent at it right away. You know, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> it takes work and it mm-hmm. takes um, commitment to take care of yourself. That sounds just a little bit odd to say, but I think it's the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you were saying, like anything we're good at or want to be good at, like if we want to be good pr- parents, we have to be present. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in raising uh, amazing humans if we want to be the best in our profession or even just good at our profession we have to get that education we have to work at it um and so just like those self-care you have to work at it in order to be your best and it sounds like asking for help and drawing from your community was an act of self-care as well Mm mm-hmm That it's not just an isolated, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like self-care gets painted as like only bubble baths or something (laughs) like that. That's a good way. When it's like also creating an environment where you don't need negative coping mechanisms to go through your daily life. Yes. That's very well said, Cole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got that from Debbie, so. <laughs> oh, okay, so you can't take full credit. No, uh, we had a whole self-care day where where it was like. I don't know where like like self-care is is good. I don't know. Start over like bubble baths and like taking naps are good, Mm -hmm. but they shouldn't be like your first line of defense. You should be creating an environment where you don't need an escape from your life. Like you shouldn't have to escape from your life to be a part of it, you know? When don't get me wrong. I love naps. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love naps. I will nap (laughs) all the time if I could. But um I don't always need them because I have that support. Mm-hmm. Which is good to hear. No, I think what I've taken out of the conversation we've been having is just what keeps coming up, that connectiveness, mm-hmm. um, being part of a community and how important that is mm-hmm. to feel connected to that community, to know that that community is going to be there for you. That's going to support you. Um, that helps out more ways than I think anybody ever realizes. Something that I noticed like maybe five minutes ago, too, is that I'm the only person on this podcast that's not a parent. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I have yeah, no insight whatsoever into parenting <laughs> other than being parented at one point myself. <laughs> I would what Nicole, what you said about, you know, if you want to be a good parent, it takes time and effort. Mm-hmm. It, that is absolutely true. And part of that time and effort we talked about is self-care, taking yep. care of yourself. Um, 
Because I know there have been times where my patience grows a little bit short when I've ignored my own self-care mm-hmm. with my wife, my two children. Um, and then even with my partner, you know, it, it's it's grown a little bit. Uh, the patient gets a little shorter when you kind of don't pay attention to self-care or give the self-care that you need. Um, and when every it's, you know, every now and then, and I, I know in our household, um, when we're having a good week, self-care and taking care of ourselves is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I, what I'm thankful for is we've gotten to the point and I'm being in working in the mental health field for, you know, the past, however long I've been in it. Um, it feels good to be aware of that. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. It's something that's on the forefront of our mind to think about. Um, and then again, some weeks when they're, re- they're a little bit rockier, or a little rougher, we can sit down and be like, you know, self-care for us is taking a little bit of a back seat. And now even self-care for our kids, you know, mm-hmm. is something that um, we're seeing when they when we can incorporate that with them. They have better weeks as well, too. Yeah. And so anyway. We've been going for a little while, but I think we covered 40 minutes. All, yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, Nicole, is there anything, any last words that you'd want to say on the topic of um, being a student along with a parent? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is hard. It, there are a lot of things that come up that are challenges, um, but in the end, it's 100% worth it. And we we are better for going through these struggles because in the end, like we have kids who hopefully mm-hmm. look up to us and are aspirational in their own educational efforts um, after seeing everything that we've done. Um, and we're able to better provide for ourselves and our family because of the education that we've been able to gain. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Um, well, thank you so much, Nicole, yeah, for coming thank on you. and doing it, um, doing the episode. Um, again, I think there's just so much good stuff that we just talked about. Um, I'm excited to get it out and get it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so. thinking of uh, other, like there are student parents in my undergraduate program that I think this will be really valuable for. Yeah. Not that they are doing student parenting poorly, but <laughs> just to hear another voice being represented that's in a similar mm-hmm. situation. Well, and we, and we talked a little bit, you know, about some of the challenges that can come with it. And sometimes that's reassuring for people to hear like, oh, other people have challenges mm-hmm. too, you know, because I think there, there's a pressure uh, or there can be a pressure out there. That I've got to look like I've got, I'm together, I've got everything put together all the time, 100% of the time, all day, every day. I can't let anybody see that um, I'm struggling. And that puts stress, pressure on us to keep that, uh, uh, to keep that appearance mm-hmm. up. But so other people hearing that, you know what, other people have some of the same thoughts that I do. That can be reassuring to yeah. them to think, you know, I'm a human, mm-hmm. just like everybody else. And yeah. especially in undergrad, like you were saying, because while the other parents in your undergrad program may know each other. Like for me, I thought I was like the only undergrad Mm -hmm. who was a parent because we just didn't have that connection or there was nothing for parents to do uh, or student parents to do in order to connect. Um, So I'm sitting there like I'm the only one. Yeah. (laughs) My mom would always say there's nothing new under the sun. Like, (laughs) like every, every thing that is difficult, has been experienced by other people as well and other people mm-hmm. have made it. So I, so it's, I mean, valid that you're feeling stressed by this, but it also gives hope that it can be surmounted. Why did I choose that word? I don't know. <laughs> Overcome. Overcome. <laughs> surmounted, yeah, that was a little bit. 
I liked it though. Yeah. <laughs> it carried, it carried some good weight. I'm always saying with people, you know, if I'm working with somebody that they're, and granted, you know, I'm not providing therapy or counseling or anything, but when I work with people, you know, if they're struggling, we can always find a starting off point mm-hmm. to make people feel better or to help a situation. You know, everybody's experience is different. Um, but just like I said, there's nothing new under the sun. However, you know, we can, we can come together and we can find a good starting point to mm-hmm. start making you feel better or to improve your situation or whatever it is that you need. Because what you're, what a lot of people are experiencing usually is not the first time that it's ever been experienced on the face of this earth. Yeah. And usually we can find a spot to start off where people have been successful. Not that everybody's road is the same, mm-hmm. but we have options Yeah. on how to help them. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking like just help within the K-State even just this building mm-hmm. uh, we mm-hmm. have cats connect through health promotions yeah. and we also have grad non-trad through um counseling services yeah which is our process group for graduate and non-traditional students hmm. has the groups been picking up i mean i've even seen more people in coming into groups um so our groups for this semester have already started yeah uh our lgbt group did not get started because okay. we didn't have enough people hmm. but everyone else has started yeah I've noticed that too. I there was one time that I went a long time ago. Like my parents were like, "Okay, we've never gone on a cruise, and all our kids are graduating, so we have to do this before they all leave." <laughs> and so we went, and there was this like LGBT event scheduled, and there weren't enough people to make it happen, <laughs> which is hard because like so few people are part of that community that mm. it's sometimes really hard to rally them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Well, anyway, we'll, like I said, we'll let you get out of here, Nicole. Go get your glasses. Hope yeah. you have a good weekend. Um, but thanks so much for doing it. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no. Oh.